0: there's also that they assume that they're able to find a third who will care about both of them and is attracted to both of them equally you go in thinking oh this is going to be great they're going to be equally into both of us and no one will ever feel left out or slighted
1: yeah you can't even i I can speak from personal experience you can't even get a dog (laughs) to like both people equally
0: (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the multi-amory podcast On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are once again asking the question, is it ever ethical to seek a third in a non-monogamous relationship? The last time that we did an episode about unicorn hunting was on our first tour in 2017. That's episode 109, which just, oh, just oui. thousands of years ago. Oh, awesome. And since then... The prospect of finding a third still comes up incredibly often in groups with newly non-monogamous couples. And today, we're going to be talking about some more information about unicorn hunting, finding a third, and trying to figure out if ethical unicorn hunting really even exists. Is that possible to do it ethically?
1: Something I think I've noticed between now and when we recorded that episode a billion years ago is I think there's also been an explosion in media and TV shows and films that have portrayed triads or or straight couples dating bisexual women and often framing it in a positive light, to be fair. You know, not that's necessarily digging on, digging on polyamory or on triads. But I, I think that's the thing that I've noticed that has changed even in this, yeah. you know, four or five years or whatever it's been is I think there's a lot more media. So that means there's a lot more exposure. So that I think there's a lot more seeds planted of that particular fantasy for people, right?
0: Hmm. That's a really good point. Well, and it's it's interesting too, because I think that we've seen more images of this kind of stable, ongoing three-person relationship, stable-ish in TV shows. And again, not a ton, but we see them now and again a lot more often than we used to, as opposed to kind of the threesome hookup, which used to be, I think, more what you would see if there were any kind of grouping of three on TV. It would be more like this fling for a summer vacation or just a one-off thing or something. But we have seen this rise of shows showing these more ongoing relationships. I
2: remember this episode of Sex and the City, which kind of it, it was a while ago, it was in the early 2000s, where Samantha and her boyfriend had a third over for his, like, 60th or 50th birthday or something. And they really did treat her like shit. It was not cool. Like, they kicked her out of the mm-hmm. bed and eventually were like, get her out of here and all this stuff. And, yeah, I, I think about that. I mean, she was much younger than the the couple, and that was kind of how they portrayed it. And it was supposed to be funny at the time. But I look back at that now and I'm like, this isn't at all funny. This is really unfortunate and shitty for this person that was maybe hoping to like have a fun time with two people and ended up just getting this, shafted completely. This human being
1: who's being used as a birthday gift.
2: Exactly. Right. Literally. Yeah. 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 So, okay. I want to provide a little bit of context here. I had a friend recently who has been in a long established marriage for a while, ask me about finding a third. And immediately I just had kind of some red flags go off. I was like, oh, I don't even know where to start here, you know, because <laughs> it, it, what do you do? Do you like point this person to dating sites? Do you point them to meetup groups? Like, is it even ethical to send a person in that direction or what? So I tried to like figure out some of our past episodes and and resources in that way but it it's tough it, it made me want to do an episode on this again for sure.
1: Yeah, with your with your, your friends, it is that funny thing where when they ask these seemingly innocent questions about finding a third or getting into a triad or stuff like that, I think for from our perspective having witnessed so many train wrecks over the course of so many decades, it's so hard to tamp down that knee-jerk response to be like, just don't, don't, just don't do it. Don't, don't even make (laughs) me explain why, just don't. (laughs) That's what I always (laughs) feel anyway. Yeah, I
2: want to be like, you know, kind to this person and stuff, but but it's clear, yeah, that that still this is so much the low-hanging fruit, I think, of a lot of people newly opening up their relationship or curious about like, what do we do? This is what I want, you know, to find a person to like come and join the relationship that I already have sort of thing. And as we said in the opening, a lot of the bigger polyamory Facebook groups out there, for instance, they do have people coming in and, you know, showing the picture of the man and the woman and saying like, hi, we would love to, you know, have somebody join our relationship or we're looking for this type of person or something along those lines. So it's surprising. I, it, to it, me, that that's kind of still out there so much.
0: Well, it's also, I think, a very hotly debated or very kind of loaded topic because mm-hmm. you'll have those situations where, like you just described, Emily, you'll have in some online groups or some spaces, someone will come in and say something like that. And you'll get this pile on of everyone being like, you're terrible, awful people to want that. You're horrible. That's really bad. You're terrible which yeah, I don't think is a helpful response for people. <laughs> or on the other hand, you'll get lots of people who are all like, yeah, we're looking for that too. Oh, yeah, we found that. It's great. Yeah, we're looking for that. Kind of not taking the time to think about accountability and doing it responsibly and ethically. That it's I feel like it's unfortunately rare to find interactions that do have that balance. I think kind of like you tried to strike with your friend, Emily, of, <sighs> well let me try to give you some resources. Like I know you pointed him to our older episode about this Mm -hmm. and to some other places to to say, here are some resources to try to learn a little more about what it is you're actually looking for and asking. And here's some places you might go to start meeting communities or dating apps that might facilitate this. But you know what I mean? You're trying to strike that balance of, I'm not going to tell you you're awful for wanting this, but I'm also not going to go, yeah, go ahead. Here's the ways to do it. It's great. I'm going to try to strike that (laughs) balance. Provide some educational resources, perhaps. Right.
1: Yeah. And also what we're seeing now, I think the same way that we've seen terms like relationship anarchy or non-hierarchy, for instance, really evolve in the way that they're used, where, you know, for instance, if we take the term non-hierarchy or non-hierarchical, people who enter into the non-monogamous community, I think, tend to pick up very quickly, ooh, hierarchy equals bad, non-hierarchy equals good, and therefore, if I just Mm -hmm. slap the label of non-hierarchy on what I'm doing or what I'm wanting, then it'll solve all those problems, you know? Yeah. And I think the same thing has happened with the term unicorn hunting is now people who are starting to put themselves out there and try to find a third will probably learn very quickly that, ooh, unicorn hunting equals bad, therefore, if I don't call it unicorn hunting... Or if I say not looking for a unicorn, then it's going to be okay, which is from a linguistic standpoint, fascinating to see how, how people react to language in this way. Well,
2: yeah. speaking of language, do you want to move on and tell us what the heck unicorn hunting is and yes. give us a little yeah. definition here for those who don't know? Maybe some of you out there have found this podcast, this episode, and are like, oh, unicorn hunting. I've kind of heard about that. Let's, uh, let's talk about what it is.
1: Yes. So sometimes people refer to it as looking for a third, finding a unicorn, creating a triad. That is a little bit more on the fringes because there's other triads that form, I think, organically outside of people unicorn hunting. But usually it's the practice of an established couple. So usually a couple who's been together for a long time, maybe monogamously, maybe not, trying to find a third partner to engage in not just, you know sexual encounters, so not just threesomes, but often there's an there's an implication that this is going to be ongoing as well. So I'm not just looking for a threesome hookup, I'm looking for someone who's gonna serve that role, be the third partner, and be essentially in an ongoing relationship. And the stereotype of the unicorn hunters, usually it's a straight cis man, and then a woman, you know, a cis woman who's bi or pansexual or a bi curious cis woman. And usually they are looking for a bi cisgender woman. And the way that it gets turned into specifically the term unicorn is that often the, the, the boxes to check are quite
2: extensive
1: extensive, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so she has to be attracted equally to both of us. She has to be completely okay with whatever arrangement is that we want. Uh, Maybe she'll even disappear when we don't want to have to explain her existence. Or maybe she'll move in with us, help us with childcare, provide free labor of of taking care of the house, things like that. That's kind of the extreme image of what people expect a unicorn to be.
0: I would add the other kind of problematic one that tends to come up is this expectation that she also would not be pursuing any other relationships besides the one with us, even though we might live together and she doesn't live with us or she does, but not when it's inconvenient or something like that. But that's sort of, she gets this secondary status in this relationship, but also is kind of expected she won't pursue any other relationships. That's kind of one of the... One of the ones that tends to come along, people don't usually say that right up front, but that one often comes up as a point of contention. And just
1: to layer extra levels of discomfort on top of it, often what's going on is sometimes there's a one-penis policy in play with the central couple. So as in, yeah, we can date a woman together, but we can't bring another man, things like that. So as you can see, I think when people hear the term unicorn hunting, Often it brings up just this very acrimonious, problematic, uncomfortable image, or at least it does for me. And the term unicorn sometimes is used synonymously with, you know, hot bye babe or an HBB, as sometimes the kids call it on the internet, which (laughs) is usually considered... I don't know. I've, I've seen Hot <laughs> by bi- Babe. I haven't seen Yeah, HB that personally. definitely. I haven't <laughs> seen it. <HB as laughs> yeah. Which to some people is considered derogatory or condescending. Some people embrace the term unicorn. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Like some people who do want to serve this role for a couple are really into the term unicorn. So it kind of gets used in many different ways.
0: Yeah. It's also worth noting here that the term unicorn hunting is. Generally, never used by the people doing it. this is almost always a term that's used by other people to describe what they're doing in a in a derogatory, derogatory way right yeah. Just to say this this thing you're doing is not good, and we're calling it unicorn hunting and If you think about the terminology there that hunting right <laughs> when we're thinking about having a relationship with someone else, the only other context that I can think of where people would use words like hunting would be potentially in like pickup artist circles. Like Mm. on the
2: prowl or something, like we're going out and
0: hunting for ladies or something like that. Right. And in both cases, the connotation there is kind of this predatory relationship and an objectification. Like it's like, we're not even thinking of this person as a human or a relationship, but we're just hunting for something. And so when people talk about unicorn hunting, that's kind of what they're implying about what people are doing. And as we'll talk about in this episode, a lot of people have good reason to feel that way. But I just want to clarify that that I know that we started the episode saying, you know, is it possible to ethically unicorn hunt or whatever? And I think in reality, if you were doing something ethically and seeking this out, it wouldn't be unicorn hunting. So, hmm. kind of we've sort of got ourselves trapped in a little circular contradiction there. Alright, so this might seem like some basic 101-level stuff, but to start out, here's some of the reasons why people tend to go for this when they're first opening up their relationship. So first one on the list is that it often feels safer to the people in that couple if they're dating the same person. So if they're opening up and they're dating the same person, that somehow feels safer. Like nothing's happening that I'm not aware of, I think. Uh, there's also that they... Assume that they're able to find a third who will care about both of them and is attracted to both of them equally, which is an unlikely thing. And even if it does happen, it's unlikely for that to last a long time. But that is the idea, right? You go in thinking, oh, this is going to be great. They're going to be equally into both of us and no one will ever feel left out or slighted.
1: Yeah, you can't even. That, I, I can speak from personal experience. You can't even get a dog to like both people equally. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> In a relationship. that's true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and that often the couple might feel that it's easier for them to prioritize their original couple if they're only dating as a couple. That kind of they're able to enforce more of their own rules with each other by dating together. I think that's another one of those sort of ideas that goes into that motivation.
2: I think also in the context of unicorn hunting or finding a person to date together, that perhaps it's a little easier to like jump ship if things start to go south and maybe abandon that third person or abandon that relationship. And that's like a decision that the two people make together. So that's why this might get such a bad reputation, just unicorn hunting in general, and the ability to just sort of toss a person to the side. And also, maybe people want to do this just because it simply is a fulfillment of a sexual fantasy or a fantasy in their mind of, oh, this is an exciting, you know, fun prospect. I think a lot of people out there, and we actually knew about this too, but I was listening to a podcast recently where they had a person from the Kinsey Institute on who wrote a book called The Psychology of Human Sexuality, Dr. Justin J. Lee Miller. And he said that he did a study with around 4,000 people asking what their fantasies were, you know, their top fantasy. And the vast majority of people said threesomes. So... This may just be, I think, in some instances, the possibility of a threesome and like fulfilling that fantasy. We're going to get more into that a little bit, but are there any others that y'all can think of?
1: I think there's a legitimate basis to someone wanting to explore bisexuality or pansexuality while feeling safe doing that. You know, That's a I think point. there are a number of people who do feel maybe a little intimidated by the idea of. I want to explore this, but going out on my own, separate from my partner, feels very intimidating. And perhaps thinking about my partner being incorporated in that in some way feels less threatening or safer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think also it can be motivated by just a fear of jealousy. If my partner were to have much better luck finding partners outside of me... You know, that 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 would be a really scary thing. And so, well, if we're dating together, then that won't be a problem, right? Yeah, we're keeping the same
2: score sheet or something. Like, each of us are dating the
0: same person. Yeah, or dating the same
2: amount of people, therefore. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I think
1: there is something also very connective for people if they feel like they're on the same page. If they're on the same hunting team. (laughs) <laughs> like, Jeez. I, i'm going to extrapolate this beyond sexual situations but i think for people who are in long-term relationships having that sense of play and that sense of adventure and that sense of just that we're on the same team in pursuing something together can genuinely feel very connective for people it, it should feel connective for people honestly
0: mm-hmm. right yeah you know like and, a,
1: and generate closeness uh, and intimacy
0: a project or an adventure that we're going on together. In this case, yeah. it just happens to be looking for a third. Yeah.
1: yeah, and and I feel the need to reiterate going through this list of you know what are the reasons why people pursue this. You know, thinking about wanting to feel safe, opening up your relationship, wanting to pursue something together with your partner, wanting to ful- ful- fulfill a sexual fantasy, wanting to explore your sexuality. Those are all really good things. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's to, true. You know,
1: I, I think none of those things are inherently bad on their own. But as we'll get into, when you add in some weirdo power dynamics, that's yeah. when things start to go a little bit awry. So let's
2: move into that. Like, why are so many people in the ethically non-monogamous community not down with unicorn hunting? Why do they think it's unethical? So the first one, you actually discussed this, aesthetic or the one penis policy. There's an article called The Underlying Sexism and Queerphobia of Unicorn Hunting and One Penis Policy. So that kind of says it all in the title, but basically this article that we read, it's about queerphobia, sexism, and then also how this, you know, often invites the one penis policy into the equation. Also, there are potentially stipulations to only have sex with both members of the couple, not just with one person and that the relationship with one person of the couple can't be established independently of the group dynamic. That's tough, and also kind of bullshit. Like, that's probably (laughs) not going to happen, most likely. At some point, two people may, you know, become a little bit closer than the other two and decide Mm -hmm. that they want to take something further, but perhaps the dynamics of this equation
0: won't allow for that. Yeah, I think what I've definitely seen and experienced is. That I think the reason why a lot of people have this bad reaction to that part of it is because they've been in some kind of relationship where, you know, they were some kind of a triad, you know, some kind of adding a third. And one person in the partnership became closer with this new person Mm -hmm. and started really connecting. But then the other person's like, that's not allowed. You can't have. This can't be asymmetrical, right? You can't have a closer relationship than me, so I'm going to blow the whole thing up. And I think that hurts a lot of people and that has led a lot of people to have like wounds about that, being on different sides of that scenario and and then are like, nope, this is always going to be bad. You can't do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no hard and fast numbers, but if I'm just based on my impressions of what I see on the internet, it does feel like for every couple that is hunting a unicorn out there, there are plenty of unicorns or former unicorns exponentially more who have been hurt by mm, these situations mm. who yeah. impo- potentially multiple times, you know, I've seen multiple people get screwed over multiple times by couples yeah. thinking that it was going to be okay.
2: Yeah. It's really unfortunate. I kind of, to piggyback off of that, a couple may have time to discuss things that are happening in the group relationship with one another, like especially if they live together or if they're a long-term established couple, they might be able to talk about things that are happening in that relationship without the unicorn being present. So this can lead to things like decision-making, stuff like that, being made without the knowledge of the unicorn. And that's really tough. I mean, it sucks to like be in a relationship where two party members know more than you do about the relationship you're in. That blows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think that even... Like When you say it that way, it sounds kind of intentional, like they're leaving the unicorn out. But in reality, even because those two people are communicating much more frequently, they might even think that there's more of a consensus of an understanding of what the whole group is feeling, even though they've left out one person, or or at least not equally weighted that other person's feelings and thoughts about it, just not intentionally, but Mm -hmm. just because of who they're communicating with more. So, there's kind of inherently this power imbalance that's really hard to get past. Another one is that if there are hurt feelings, you know, if something went weird, the couple has each other to help each other through those feelings, but that unicorn might be left to go deal with that on their own, that they don't have quite the same support network or stability in that relationship. And then ultimately, if the couple, like Emily mentioned before, if the couple decides it isn't working out, they can just stay together and break it off with the unicorn. Either because they both decide that or more often, I think what we've seen is one person of the couple decides this is done and then it ends up having to be done for everyone. Yeah. And that that, again, causes a lot of hurt and is this big power imbalance that that unicorn can just kind of get tossed to the side like that. And again, like Dedeker said... Lots of people have been hurt by that. And so there's understandably some negative feelings and reactions to that setup.
1: And then, of course, we have to address that often in these situations, there is inherent sexism, homophobia, transphobia, particularly in situations where there is a one penis policy going on. You know, sexism because of believing that, I mean, sexism and homophobia because of believing that relationships and sexual relationships between two women don't carry as much weight. They're not as threatening. They're not as real to the cis man in the situation, and therefore it's okay. I have seen a lot of straight cis men have very rude wake-up calls when they realize that's not the case, that their relationship that their female partner is having with another woman is actually just as threatening or just as scary at the end of the day. And then, of course, there's this inherent transphobia. Often, when people, couples go out looking for a hot bi babe, the implication is we want a, a hot cisgender babe. Right? Mm. You know, we're not interested in anybody who's trans. And then there's also underneath that a little bit of this philosophical question of, okay, if you have a one-penis policy and your female partner dates a trans woman who maybe doesn't have a vulva, is that threatening? Or... If it was the opposite, if your female partner dated a trans man who maybe doesn't have a penis, is it about the penis, right? So as yeah. long as there's no penis other than yours involved, then it's okay. Which is, of course, it just brings up all these weird, uncomfortable questions. And I've seen some people who are able to sit with that and be like, oh yeah, you're right. That's that's interesting to think about. And that kind of questioning can lead people to start to unpack what are the things I'm actually afraid of? What are the things that I'm actually threatened by? And for some people, it just ends up in this really horrible, transphobic, you know, kind of really clinging to the gender binary, which is not great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it's worth mentioning that people who have thirds in their relationship, who do date together as a couple, uh, don't always do all of these things. But this is what these things, right? Like the one penis policy. Not everyone has that who's seeking a third. But a lot of them do. So we we bring these up as these are sort of the red flags that have happened in the past, which is why you will often get those kind of pile-on reactions if you go into some polyamory Facebook group saying that's what you're looking for, is all of this kind of hurt and hurt coming from people who did not intend to hurt anyone. Who had the best of intentions going in were just, you know, like, like Dedeker mentioned earlier, all those reasons for wanting to do it are perfectly good, right? Wanting to do something together, wanting to open up your relationship, wanting to explore sexual fantasies, like all that great. No problem. But there's so many of these things that are generally unexamined, like that, you know, sexism and homophobia and one penis policy or that power dynamic that the couple has that they're usually not even aware of. They're not even aware that they have that that much power and how disempowered that other person is. So again, none of it's coming from a bad place. So then when the couple in the Facebook group goes, but no, 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 we're going to be nice. Like We're not looking to do that. Everyone just rolls their eyes because so many people have gone in with the best of intentions and caused a lot of hurt. So that's kind of where that comes from. And I think that's really worth understanding, both from the point of view of being the people jumping on someone for wanting that. And if you're someone who's thinking, I'd kind of like this, to be aware that this is why. There's like very valid reasons why people are upset by this and why people will discourage you from doing it.
2: Alrighty. Well, we're going to discuss more about unicorn hunting, why it often goes awry, and then finally get into some of the questions about is it ethical? Are there any moments where it's ever ethical? And some of our findings from that. But first, we're going to talk to you about some of the ways in which you can help this show continue to be brought to the masses for free. We really appreciate your support.
1: 18 plus
0: for a long time now we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories things like that it's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection and now not only do we have a fantastic offer but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com which are their sites specifically for lgbtq audiences and our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free, discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI.
2: Yes, we love and com, and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just
1: That's Multi, M-U-L-T-I, at AdamandEve.com, AdamMail.com, or Eve'sToys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. And we're back with the big question. Is it ever ethical to go looking for a third to add to a relationship? So, I think I have seen a couple articles floating around in recent years that discuss people who are very open about enjoying being a unicorn and that's a full breadth of experience. I've read people's accounts talking about how they enjoy being, you know, that third threesome partner for a bunch of different couples, or some people who really enjoy being the regular threesome partner, or straight up being a triad. You know, they met a couple, it really worked out, and they became a triad. Of course, we did talk about this on our live show on Polyamory in the Media a few years back with the show Unicorn Land, which we highly recommend. If you haven't seen it, go to unicornlandseries.com. It's a fictional series, but it's told from the point of view of a unicorn and shows her exploring her sexuality and her own sense of freedom post-divorce. And it's an experience that I've heard from other real-life unicorns expressing the fact that sometimes dating couples lets you connect to people and have fun in a way that you don't get just by having sex with a bunch of randos, necessarily, or a bunch of one-night stands or a bunch of hookups. Hmm. So there is a particular school of thought around unicorn hunting, around how do we solve the problem of unicorn hunting? And there are a number of people out there who suggest to people hiring a sex worker. That could be an ethical way in which people can explore and engage in specifically the threesome fantasy or an ongoing threesome fantasy that doesn't necessarily involve needing to disenfranchise somebody or hurt somebody's feelings. Rosie Sparkles, who is a feminist sex worker based in Montreal, wrote this great article on Medium entitled, Unicorn Hunting Done Right, Why Couples Should Hire Sex Workers. And Rosie says, quote, the logical and most ethical way to fulfill the unicorn fantasy would be to hire an independent sex worker who specializes in couples or women clients. And there are a ton of those. I don't know if y'all have, you know, gone down the rabbit hole looking for sex workers, but I think a lot of sex workers understand that this is a market, essentially, right? Like (laughs) This is a service that people actually want. And there's really, again, I want to reiterate, there is nothing wrong with wanting that, with having that particular fantasy. And of course... Hiring a sex worker, if you've never done it before, can be really intimidating. It can feel like a risk. Um, in Rosie's article, she recommends you know, staying away from sex worker review boards, which are mostly inhabited by men who are trying to pay the least they can for sexual favors. You know, Looking for an independent sex worker that's part of a collective. If there's a sex worker collective in your city, it means that most likely other sex workers have met this person, uh, that they're most likely not under the influence of a pimp. They're more likely to have a website, a social media platform where you can read about their personality, their services, see if you think they might be a good match. And Rosie also recommends you know, contacting the provider and suggesting that if you're a heterosexual couple that the woman calls the sex worker to verify that she, the woman, is on board with this. And the reason why she recommends this is because it's a thing that's happened many times before. A man will hire a sex worker for the couple without his wife knowing, (laughs) you know, thinking that it's going to be a surprise. I've also seen people do this, not even in hiring a sex worker. I've you know witnessed people do this of, I'm going to bring another person home and surprise my partner when they come home. And we've never discussed this before this moment. I'm just going to spring it on them. And it, I mean, the person that I'm thinking of who did this, it didn't go as horribly as it could have been, but it was still not a great experience for anybody involved. So let's be transparent, everyone. Communicate. Yeah. Yeah. communicate. I think <laughs> people fall into this, both whether they're hiring a sex worker or just wanting to bring someone home. Uh, unfortunately, people get so caught up in the like, oh, I'm going to surprise my partner. It's going to be like a surprise birthday gift. And I think the thought is great. The reality is that human beings just aren't birthday gifts.
0: Yeah. Right, yeah, absolutely. yeah, but I think that what's worth kind of looking at and getting to the heart of this is something that we talked about years ago when we talked about this before, which is if the threesome is the thing that's exciting, be honest with yourselves about that that and that's great, like there is nothing wrong with that, and if the threesome is the fantasy that you want to do, that doesn't necessarily mean. Adding a third to your relationship or finding someone to have this ongoing relationship with. This could be, you know, just a friend who sometimes likes to hook up with you on a regular basis as a couple, right? It could be that someone who, you know, you're not trying to kind of pull into this whole relationship. It's like, yeah, I get they have this whole other life, but maybe they like hooking up with the two of us. That's an option. It could be, A one off thing. It could be hiring a sex worker. You know, there are people out there who are interested in having sex with couples, but don't want to enter into a relationship where they're kind of either expected to not date other people or that they have to invest a lot more of their time. Maybe the reason why they're not in your couple is because they don't want to invest all that time and emotional energy into this relationship and they just like the threesome part too. Just be aware that those are options and those are all perfectly valid if you find other people who want those too. I think sometimes people can have guilt about that fantasy and then think, oh, well, having an ongoing relationship, polyamory, that's the way to not feel guilty about this.
2: Generally, the articles that I've seen out there that have happened more recently regarding like people who are Happy that they're unicorns, or they're saying, you know, this is my great experience of being a unicorn. It kind of conflates that idea of threesomes or being a person who enjoys engaging in threesomes with kind of conflates it with like this idea that many of us have of like unicorn hunting. And to me, they're not quite the same thing. I guess one can, you know, call themselves a unicorn and say that, oh, I am the third in a threesome with established couples and I love being that. But when I think about unicorn, I guess my mind tends to go to that more predatory, you know, couple that's looking for a third to enter into their lives for like a long period of time. But a lot of the articles out there, they're more these people that are just excited about having threesomes. So there was one called Confessions of a Real Life Unicorn and essentially just says that she's someone who is a bisexual woman who is down to hook up with generally heterosexual monogamish couples, often as a no-strings-attached threesome experience arranged in advance. And so she uses things like Field, which is one of our sponsors, and things like Tinder or OkCupid. And essentially, yeah, that threesome is the end goal. And that thing that she's looking for and therefore is happy to fulfill in uh, couples that are already established.
0: I think it's worth noting about Field that this article was written in 2017 when Field was much more focused on threesomes and it has since kind of expanded to fill this void of a more sex positive and inclusive dating app that no one else has really... Managed to pull off. So, so it's that's also interesting, kind of getting this glimpse of, in history of kind of the origins of that and how that's evolved over time. That's true. Also, from that same story, the confessions of a real life unicorn, uh, something she says, I'll actually just read this quote because I think this is really does a good job of kind of summing up how that could feel. And that is, they have each other, they fit into each other's big plans. I mostly fit into their weekend plans, and I'm fine with that. I have a somewhat demanding job, a full social life, and an insatiable love of flirting with people. And a committed relationship just doesn't fit into my schedule right now. But my couple, they're perfect. I think that is really interesting. And I I did want to share, too, that the experience that I had kind of being a third with a couple. And I know that when we talk about unicorn hunting, that's generally adding a female partner. That's the stereotype there. But the, the one time when I was a third with a couple... One of the things I did really like about it was getting to be the special thing, right? Kind of like she's describing. It's like I get to be the the special fun thing, but then I also get to leave and not deal with like the household drama <laughs> or like whatever else is going on. Sounds right? fun. Yeah, yeah. And it was there were some challenges in this case. You know, they were people who I'd been friends with for a while. And so if things did get awkward, you know, I would be worried and concerned for them and wanting to make sure they're okay. But I could also see if it were people that I wasn't as close with in advance, it would be great to kind of be like, wow, this feels weird now. I'm going to go (laughs) and just kind of not have to deal with that. Like that actually, ironically, you know, we've talked before about unicorns getting burned by not getting included in the more serious conversations. But depending on the unicorn, they might be like, cool i'm no no worries you do your thing i'm gone see you later it's so just kind of being aware of how everyone's feeling and what people's expectations are i think is an important part of that
1: yeah there's this other article that we found titled i'm in a loving relationship with a married couple and that makes me a unicorn we're you know kind of the same Theme where this woman is talking about her experience, really enjoying this triad relationship with a married couple. She also sees other people on her own, so it's not necessarily a closed triad. And, of course, that leads one to believe, you know, perhaps it is possible for an organic ethical triad to evolve out of a unicorn relationship. That does happen, for sure. It's unfortunately, with the prevalence of unicorn hunting, everyone thinks that that's going to be the natural endpoint. It's going to be this really healthy, wonderful triad, and that often isn't the case. But it does happen. You know, sometimes I think people get really lucky in their expectations being matched, in the way they communicate being matched, and where it does turn into a really long-lasting, nice triad. I think about that and I think about the distinction between well, what makes a quote-unquote like healthy triad versus, you know, unicorn hunting and how do people form triads? Because it's not like we have three person first dates that happen really frequently where three people just like happen to really get along together. Often there's going to be some kind of established relationship first to a certain extent. And I think revisiting this topic, maybe this is a little bit too simplistic for me to say, but to me, it feels like it just comes down to power. And power Hmm. dynamics. And that's not to say in order to have a triad or have a third in a relationship, you need to completely scrub away any power dynamics. I think it's just to say everyone needs to be aware of the power dynamics. You know, power is sexy. People play with power all the time. Like that's so much of kink and BDSM, but the foundation Mm -hmm. of that is everyone involved knows what the power exchange is going to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a couple and first of all, you have the self awareness to know, we want to be holding most of the power and decision-making in this situation, and therefore we want someone who is okay with that, I think pitching that is different than trying to pitch, oh no, it's all going to be equal, we're going to treat you really good, and it's going to be fantastic, and it's going to be great.
2: And that is Because I, I
1: think, honestly, you know... People do all kinds of stuff. you know. People do all kinds of kinky stuff where their third is their dom, for instance, where the third is mm. given all of, like the sexual power. We play with it in that way versus maybe a couple wants to be dominant to a submissive third. And being able to, again, just embrace the fact that this is what we want, that's going to empower you to be able to find people who want that as well instead of what often happens, which is the weird communication mismatch, feeling embarrassed of what we actually want, or maybe not even knowing what we actually want, kind of selling someone on something that's not accurate to what the relationship is going to be and all that those kind of behaviors.
2: I was listening to a podcast recently with a married cisgender couple, and the woman said, if we ever have a threesome, like I want the whole thing to be about me. So I don't care what happens with her i don't care what happens with you like it needs to be all about me and red flags went off there but i was like well maybe somebody would enjoy being in that dynamic perhaps. oh if, yeah that's
1: the thing if they were open yeah. about that right if if sure. they, you know i was gonna say put out a personal ads i don't think people are doing that anymore well, But well she said about. it on a
2: podcast so <laughs> but, i don't know um, that gets millions of downloads But I think so. plenty
1: of people. if you were just honest about i want to find another woman to help me like Pleasure my partner in this way. This Mm -hmm. is her fantasy. Like people are totes down for that. Not everybody, but a lot of people are.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think where we get into problems is when you try to present it like it's going to be something else and then sort of gradually switch it. And it's, I think that we've come across this same kind of dynamic that I think can come from two places. I think one can come from a place of feeling like if I'm honest about what i want or what we want that no one's going to want to do it and so we're going to kind of sugarcoat it we're going to pat it a little or we're going to try to do something that's not quite what we actually want because we think somehow that's more like a better thing to want like that's more okay to want something like that i think that's one option and then well i guess sorry i guess i conflated the two things (laughs) So one option is that feeling like someone's going to say no. And so I'm going to try to adjust it or make it look like it's going to be different. And then the other is just feeling guilt for mm-hmm. wanting that and thinking, Oh, well, I can't want that. So I should want this other thing, which also kind of ends up being dishonest. And I think we see this with in all sorts of other areas too. I think it just. There's like this extra power dynamic that shows up with couples doing this. but if you think about it, that's the same reasoning and the same thing that goes into people who, are, who want to date polyamorously, but don't tell the person they've started dating until the third date or something. They're kind of thinking, oh, well, I'll ease them into it somehow, or no one would like me, or I'd feel guilty if I said that I wanted that right away. Or we see it with someone who really just wants to hook up, but tries to pretend like they want a relationship either out of guilt or fear of rejection. So I think it's kind of couples can fall into that same thing. And that's a big pitfall there of not being honest and clear about what it is you want. And so that other people do actually get to say yes to it instead of thinking they're saying yes to one thing and not getting that.
2: All right. So if after listening to this episode, you have decided, you know what? I still am interested in finding a third or finding someone to hook up with in my already established relationship. So what are some actionable things that you can do? So first, if you are a couple, maybe look at some of the ways in which couples privilege shows up in your relationship. You can write this down. You can do a brain dump with your partner. Try to be honest. Try to see like, hey, okay, what are the ways in which the two of us have couples privilege and how is that going to potentially affect someone else? Also, everyone has expectations or things that they're looking for in potential relationships and try to consider if you yourself have built sort of a box that you are hoping another person is going to fill and come into and check off all of the the little tick boxes in your list of, this is exactly what I want my person, my third person to look like, or be like, or act like. And this is the kind of uh, role that I'm hoping that they're going to fulfill. So try to give yourself some space to explore the possibilities of, you know, the fact that that's probably, you're not going to find someone that is that unicorn that does fit into all of those boxes. But it's also interesting to kind of do that, that brain dump and be honest with yourself about what it is that you are looking for. Because perhaps if you do this also with your partner, the bo- two of you will discover, hey, maybe we just do want a one-night fling with somebody, or maybe we do want a fun birthday gift experience or a, an exciting experience. Maybe hiring a sex worker is the better thing for the two of us to fulfill this you know, one fun night or or having a, a friend with benefits type situation with somebody else you know, explore those possibilities, be transparent and be open with your partner. And also, if you are going to go out there and look at your dating profiles, like really do a critical review of them if you are going to like try to find somebody through dating apps, through Field, through OkCupid, stuff like that. And look at them. Are you are you using object, objectifying language? Are you using language that's potentially going to cause harm? Uh, what kind of things are you saying on there and do a critical review of that.
1: And then in terms of looking at your dating profiles, we have a few more things for you to think about. Some of these are pulled from an article written for Self by Melissa A. Fabello. And it's titled, You're a couple looking for a third. I'm a potential unicorn. Let's talk. And I do like that her subtitle is, Here's how to do it without being an asshole. So (laughs) first things first, make it obvious that you're a couple. I think... Many of us who've been on dating apps have experienced mm. the oh I think I'm attracted to this person oh wait it's a couple I'm not really interested in, in a couple because they put <laughs> yeah. their first five pictures of just one person and then at the very end they're like oh by the way this is my partner as well. Ideally, yeah. you're using pictures of the both of you, you know, and not just ten pictures of the woman and then one picture of the guy. We recommend craft a bio that's both respectful and accurate. So both describing, describing yourselves as individuals, not describing yourselves as a couple. Because you are individuals, actually, at the end of the day. So describing one person, describing the other person, and then describing what it is that you're actually searching for in an honest and upfront sort of way. And again, being clear with your language, be upfront about what exactly it is that you're looking for. Is that I want one wild night of a Wild threesome? Do I want a casual once in a while fling? Do I actually want a relationship? Do I want someone that I can fulfill a really elaborate years long role play fantasy that involves three people? You know, the sky's the limit. The important thing is just being honest. And I think the nice thing is the, these days, especially with apps like Fields and OkCupid that are trying to make an effort toward being more inclusive and creating a space where people feel more free to be themselves where you don't necessarily have to water down what it is that you're looking for. And I think that's the most important takeaway, in my opinion, is if you put it out there, you really increase the chances that you're going to find someone who wants what you want when you're honest about <laughs> it.
2: No, yeah.
1: yeah, Don't just message people in the hopes that they're going to be that sex object for you, that they're going to spice up your relationship. Um, again, unless you're very upfront about that and it's something that they're also looking
0: for. I think that's actually a great opportunity to remember that say you did, you know, you were looking for someone who did want to kind of come into your relationship as a plaything who leaves at the end. And you're very upfront about that's what you want. Even if that's the case, the way you talk to this person, talk about this person and message this person is different from that. Right. Mm. That's kind of one of those things that you learn in kink. Communities and relationships that I think a lot of people going into this don't have that experience, but it's that communication beforehand needs to be very considerate. Just, yeah. Compassionate, considerate, very humanizing for everyone. Even if you're arranging a scenario where you're going to establish a power dynamic that's, you know, very extreme or something like that, that outside of that container where you're having that experience. You want to be extra sure to be compassionate and caring and not kind of slip into that sort of way of treating someone in real life if that makes sense that I think so I do want to clarify that because we've been talking a lot about like be upfront about what you want, but like also treat them like a human being while you're talking about that and trying to discover if they want that or not, and if they don't that's that's fine
1: and then lastly. If you connect with someone and it gets as far as actually meeting this person to see if it's a good connection, to see if it seems like a good fit, remember that you don't want it to come off like a job interview. <laughs> you don't want any date to come off like a job interview. Yeah, you that know? sounds shitty. As hell. So you know, stuff that couples will do is like you know, give each other secret looks or secret you know, gestures or secret gestures. <laughs> to kind of get a sense shakes. of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes, this is a good one. And it, happens. Hands.
1: <laughs> it happens. It happens. I'm imagining I, like I, a,
0: a pitcher and a catcher, you know, they're doing like secret signals uh, yeah. with their baseball caps. Yeah, so,
2: exactly. Totally their the or something. I
1: totally understand the temptation to do that because there's a part of that that's really fun. But also, again you're not trying like that already establishes up front that we're the ones with the power and you're not, we're the ones Mm -hmm. potentially holding the job that you so want or, or not, or we're going to give you the part or not. And so just be aware of that. Just be cool kids. I don't know how many times we can say it. (laughs) Something that people don't think about is the fact that this is a two way street. It's not just about you evaluating this third person to see whether or not you think they'll fit. They're also evaluating you. Hell yeah! <laughs> you know, like you should also be dedicating some brain space to thinking about the fact that we also need to put our best foot forward, and we also need to give a sense of expressing to this person what we can offer in this sense as it as individuals.
2: And I wanted to leave you all with some final words from the esteemed Dr. Eli Sheff, our good friend, I, uh, who wrote an article in Psychology Today and said this, which I found. To be really interesting, and something that probably not a lot of people do, but if a couple is lucky enough to encounter a woman who wants to hook up with them, they should treat her like they fully appreciate the rare and magical being that she is. That means these couples should wine her, dine her, and pay for her transit in childcare so that she can hang out with them. The date's pleasure should be the primary focus of sexual encounters, and she should absolutely orgasm first. Couples should meet wherever works best for the date. Do not assume she will come to the couple's place, and then be happily dismissed when they are finished with her. If a hotel room is the best place for a hookup, then the couple should pay for it.
0: I love that. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's nice kind of pointing out, if this is how the power dynamic works, then the care should also work that way, too. It's like, you've got all the power, you've also got to provide more of the care.
2: Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Because... This is a lovely thing that potentially she is bestowing upon you. So treat her with respect and care and maybe a little bit of compensation in the form of childcare and whining and dining, things like that. Alrighty. Well, that was a fun trip down memory lane of, you know, threesomes <laughs> and unicorn hunting and things like that. It's been a while. We are going to discuss in our bonus episode about dragons, another mythological creature, and a little bit more about triads and how triads tend to be something that a lot of people want, but they are not easy, and reminding everyone out there that they're playing on hard mode if they're going to be in a triad. So our question for Instagram this week is, have you ever had a positive unicorn experience? And I guess that can mean... If you were the unicorn, if you were looking for a unicorn, any of the above, any and all. You spotted a unicorn in the
1: wild, mythical. Yeah. (laughs) Was
2: it positive? I can't imagine that it wouldn't be. That sounds awesome. (laughs) So the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Baldeneta. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenewerk and Carson Collins. Our researcher for this episode is M. Mays. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.